Well, um, welcome to our um, first mission presentation. Um, we have been, since we planted ourselves a year ago, um, thinking about ways to reach out. And we wanted to um, think of ways that were local, think of ways that were national, and think of ways that were international um, to uh, spread the good news of Jesus Christ to uh, Louisville, the U.S., and to the ends of the earth. And um, I forget, it might have been Jacob, actually, who first uh, told me about Refuge, and um, we have been talking to Matt and Refuge about their work, and we, we always wanted to do good work, but we were intentionally, as uh, your leaders, we were intentionally trying to figure out ways to be about work that was also telling people about Jesus Christ. Because there are many millions of organizations that are doing great work that we could support, um, but we wanted to be part of what is actually a much smaller list of organizations that are doing great work, but are also telling people the good news about Jesus. And so um, when we met with Matt and heard about um, what they do, which I'll let him um, share with you, we just felt like it was really in line with um, how we want to reach out into the world in Louisville specifically. So um, let me say a quick prayer for Matt, and then um, we'll invite him up and hear what he has to say. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, um, we, we ask you to bless um, your servant, Matt, as he um, tells us all the um, wonderful things that um, he's involved in, that we can partner in as a church. I pray for your leading, that you would show us um, how to do the work you have set before us. And as we heard this morning, um, we pray that you would put your words in our mouths, that we would not feel like we need to do great work for you, but that we can announce the great work that you are doing. Um, we pr pray for our time here this morning, and for Matt, and for Refuge International, and that you would be in our midst right now. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Matt. Yeah, thank you very much. Well, good, morning. good morning. My name is Matt. It is a delight to be with you this morning. Um, I have known Jacob for quite a while, actually. We used to work together um, on the campus of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. And, um, and now I'm with Refuge International. I come uh, with two other guests as well. Um, Samir Benadir, he is our Community Impact Director, and Fiston Makaya, who is uh, actually a somewhat newly arrived refugee. Fiston has come from the Congo via Tanzania, and uh, he arrived on March, what, what date? 25th, so, and uh, he's recently professing faith in Jesus, and uh, we're very happy to uh, be having him visit our churches, so thanks for coming today. If you have a Bible or on your phone, um, I'm going to start in Psalm 67. To the choir master with the stringed instruments, a psalm, a song. May God be gracious to us and bless us, and make his face to shine upon us. <clears throat> Selah. That your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Selah. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. 
The earth has yielded its increase. God our God shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. You see in this that in this passage, there's this dynamic in which God is to bless his people. And in the blessing of his people, his face shining on them, the nations will be blessed. He says, let the nations be glad and sing for joy. What is this blessing of the nations? What it is that they would be glad and joyful in God. And not only just a few nations, not, not only just some nations that even presently have the gospel, have the gospel in their own language, but this psalm is admonishing, it's calling for all the nations to praise God. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. And many of you are probably well aware there are many nations, many peoples around the world who belong to um, nations, people groups, ethno-linguistic groups that don't have the gospel. That no one has ever shared with them the true news of Jesus. How they can be saved. How they can be reconciled to God who sent His Son to die on a cross so that His people could believe in Him and have forgiveness of sins and be reconciled to them and to Him in Christ. They don't have this message. And for all of Christian history, God has been sending missionaries around the world. And we, I'm not a church historian, but I think that we're in a bit of a unique moment in time where now... America is still sending, the, the church in America is still sending missionaries around the world, but we're in a unique time when the nations are actually coming to us. And they're coming to us and they're seeking to learn our language, and many of them, for the first time, are living in religious liberty. And so the people of God have this opportunity to, as God blesses them, they can preach the gospel, proclaim, as, as Nick was saying earlier, to, to the nations right here among us. And so, this is the goal of, uh, of missions. It's the goal of our organization, is that God may be glorified as the peoples praise Him with joy. We, we want to see refugees and immigrants and all nations coming not only to just believe in a system, but rather to know the God from whom fullness of joy comes. So Refuge International is, uh, I'll just basically start with our mission statement. We exist to glorify God by partnering with local churches to love refugees and immigrants. So we exist to glorify God by partnering with local churches to love refugees and immigrants. So we'll kind of break this down for a moment. You, You heard me describe earlier, our passion really is to bring glory to God Almighty, the God who has saved us. Um, Samir and I come from very different backgrounds. I'm from Alabama and Tennessee, and Samir is uh, from Africa, from North Africa, actually. But in his divine grace, God has saved us both, and, um, and we are about seeing his glory. Um, and so, it begins there. And we believe that God will be glorified as the nations that he is bringing to Louisville, Kentucky, are able to hear the gospel, and Lord willing, Worship Him in gladness. So, two aspects I want to focus on today. The time is a bit short with you guys, um, but I just want to provide a brief explanation of, of Refuge International, kind of how we seek to accomplish this mission, and then perhaps how Grace Anglican can be a part of, of what God's doing among refugees. So, 
I talked about partnering with local churches to then love refugees and immigrants. Um, refugees, we'll provide a quick overview of kind of this current refugee situation. Um, we have thousands of refugees here in Louisville, Kentucky. And now you might be asking yourself, okay, well, what is a refugee? Because we hear a lot about immigration in the news today. What's an asylum seeker? What's a refugee? What's uh, an immigrant? There's all kinds of visa statuses that someone can have. I want to provide just a quick overview of what the refugee situation is and what a refugee, and what a refugee himself or herself are. So we'll start with that definition. Who is a refugee? This is coming from the United Nations Refugee Agency. A refugee is someone who has been forced to flee his or her country because of persecution, war, or violence. A refugee has a well-founded fear of persecution for reasons of race, religion, nationality, political opinion, or membership in a particular social group. This is someone who has had to flee their home because of risk of persecution one way or the other. They have either experienced the threat of persecution, the threat of violence, because they've been a member of a certain political group or social group or of their religion or nationality, or they themselves have actually experienced violence because they belong to one of these groups. And so they flee. Now, there's a difference between a refugee and an internally displaced person. An internally displaced person is someone who will flee their home but still remain within the political boundaries of the nation state to which they belong. So I've been in Uganda before and I've met some, uh, some IDPs, internally displaced persons, who fled from Joseph Kony, you might have heard of him before, from the northern part of Uganda down toward the southern part of Uganda. Those were IDPs. But a refugee is someone, the only difference between the two is that a refugee is someone who crosses international borders. And international law is such that it is legal, if you're fleeing for such reasons, to, to do so, to cross those international borders. Um, that is legal migration, if indeed the fear is well-founded. And so these are the people that uh, will then go through the United Nations process. I'll get to that in a moment. Um, here is an internally displaced persons. I've, I've explained that. The refugee process. So what happens when a refugee flees their home is they will immediately uh, just be on the run. Now, now, you might, you'll hear some statistics, you'll hear this explanation, but I want you to imagine for a moment if all of a sudden violence was erupting in Louisville, Kentucky, and as a last resort, you had no other choice but to grab whatever you could in the moment, whatever you could take with you on your back and your family, and you just leave your home. And you go in whichever direction the violence is not taking place. That's the experience of, of a refugee. They experience this kind of violent persecution or this threat of violence. And they flee their country. And then they go into a land that is not their own. And to, and to oftentimes people that speak a language that they don't speak. And sooner or later, that, that themselves is a refugee. Most refugees that are going to be resettled, that means come, come and be resettled to a place like Louisville, Kentucky, will go through the United Nations. So they'll make their way to a refugee camp. My good friend um, was a refugee from Congo, uh, but he migrated over the course of a few years down to South Africa on foot, stowing away on a boat, and hitchhiking. Um, but he kept going to find a refugee camp. And when they find these camps, they'll go. They might live in tents. They might live in structures. But this tent is overseen, typically, by the United Nations, uh, the UNHCR, the, the, high the United Nations High Commission for Refugees. And in this camp, 
that is when they can begin to apply that's this application process they apply to be resettled and so um, oftentimes refugees they come and their identity can be um, a bit mistaken or um, the whole process can be a bit convoluted but it can take years and years for them to apply be accepted and then be resettled we have refugees in louisville today who actually never lived in their country of their their ethnic country they were born and raised in a refugee settlement um, and then eventually about one percent of these refugees who are in camps one to two percent i think will, will be resettled so the vast majority remain in refugee camps um, it, it is far from guaranteed that they will be resettled in any other uh, final destination country. But for those that do, they then begin the process of being transferred to a place like the United States or Canada or Denmark or, or whichever country is receiving refugees. The United States receives the most refugees of all countries around the world. And when they come, then the process, the United Nations cooperates with our U.S. State Department and then our government uh, cooperates with resettlement agencies who receive grants from the federal government to really kind of receive the refugees as they come. I'll get, more, I'll get to that more in a moment. But when a refugee is coming, they, when they land, they arrive at an airport like Louisville's International Airport. Um, and they, which is only international because of FedEx, right? It's not. <laughs> um, at UPS, sorry. Gotcha. Maybe we've got a pilot in the room. Um, so, but anyway, it's international when a refugee arrives. We can, we can say that. And they, the refugee actually has to pay back the entire cost of their plane tickets. If they've got a family of, of six children, like some might have, they're, they're going to have to pay that back over the course of time. And then they'll begin the process when they arrive in their, uh, their apartment, typically an apartment, um, of then soon thereafter going to school with this resettlement agency. We have two in Louisville, Kentucky. It's called Kentucky Refugee Ministries and Catholic Charities, both of which have non-proselytizing rules. Um, though KRM calls itself a charity, they, uh, they don't allow anyone to share the gospel. Um, and both are receiving government grants. And uh, both will then begin the process of, of helping to uh, teach these refugees how to assimilate or, or, or to integrate, rather, into American life. That'll be everything from English classes to teaching them funny quirks about Americans. Maybe you've been on a mission trip before, and before you go, you're gonna, they're going to teach you, okay, when you go to East Asia, uh, you want to make sure that you take your shoes off. You want to make sure that you um, speak in this certain way. This is how you greet someone. These are things they, that they would consider rude. Well, when refugees come here, they learn all that stuff about us because we've got our own quirks in America. We've got things that we would consider rude or things that uh, you do to greet an American. And those are things that refugees are learning. Well, they have this kind of um, this, uh, this season of, of usually like one to three, perhaps four months in which they're in KRM or Catholic Charity classes, but then it's time for them to get a job. And by law, refugees have to take the first job that they are offered. And so, as you can imagine, uh, sometimes we have refugees that are coming that have not experienced much school. But oftentimes, or not, not infrequently, we'll have highly educated refugees 
doctors, lawyers who come here, but their licenses are, are of no use in America. And so they will then, of course, take these manual labor jobs, working second or third shifts sometimes, and they have to do that. And they start working and are often glad to do it. Um, so that is kind of where refuge comes into the story, is we have a unique relationship with refugees um, that is not the same as the resettlement agencies, though we work with resettlement agencies, but we are not necessarily the caseworkers for refugees, but we want to come and have uh, a unique kind of friendship and relationship with them. We come alongside them and we want to offer community and, uh, and help them in ways that the resettlement agencies simply can't. They're taking in so many refugees and, um, and they have a certain list of things that they need to do uh, to then get these refugees to their next step in uh, the refugee process. The refuge exists to partner with local churches to love refugees and immigrants. And we believe that the greatest way to love every, any person is to share with them the news of the God who, whose love is perfect, who has sent his son Jesus Christ and offers forgiveness of sins through Christ. And so we love them in a variety of ways, um, but all of our ways ultimately and hopefully will be so that refugees can hear the saving message of Jesus Christ. And um, now we don't discriminate based on race or religion. If a refugee hears the gospel and de declines to accept Jesus, that is perfectly okay with us. Obviously, we would hope that they do, but when I say it's okay, we're not going to withhold services from them or community or friendship in any way uh, because they choose to, uh, to not follow Jesus. But we have a few programs that um, are strategically designed to really come alongside and help these refugees in a unique way. I'll describe those to you now. Um, first is our language-specific Bible studies. We have Bible studies that are um, continuing to be developed, but some of them are, are only just about to get started. In fact, tonight I'll have a meeting with a Nepali um, interpreter who we're planning to have for the Nepali men's study, but then also perhaps a lady interpreter for what we're hoping to be an upcoming Nepali women's study. Um, but these Bible studies are three things. One, they're sharing the word of God with immigrants. Uh, we want on a consistent basis for refugees and immigrants to be able to hear the gospel, and two, in their, local, in their um, heart language, in a language that they can intelligibly understand what God's word is saying and what the gospel means. And then three, they, they, will meet on a, they do meet on a consistent basis. So those are in, we have one that meets in Kenya, Rwanda, one that meets in French that Piston is a part of, and uh, Samir. Uh, we have a few Arabic ones that are more individualized. Uh, we have one that is just getting started in Turkish. And so we're really excited. We have um, a desire for the Nepali ones to, to be getting going as well. In addition to the language-specific Bible studies, we have a new program called English Mentoring which we have just completed our pilot program for, uh, six weeks of giving this a shot. We're gonna start off with five, and now I think we're at, how many mentoring relationships do we have, Samir? 19 already, it's, it's been a hit so far. Um, and the idea behind this is that we'll have Christian volunteers who have been through our volunteer process, which I'll also get to later, um, who then meet with the refugee whom they're paired with, and will, for a period of about four months, meet with them every single week for one hour typically in the refugee's home. And they will speak uh, with them. It, basically the instruction is not necessarily classroom curriculum, but it's conversational. And so you can imagine just the high, uh, 
how highly relational it is as well. But it's also very helpful, even in the home of a refugee, where they're more comfortable, to be working through their language. And so it's been very helpful for refugees to have this kind of English mentoring. In addition to that, we do welcome teams. And uh, these are where we have a team from a church that will assemble, that's been through our volunteer orientation, that's been through our uh, child safety program and background checks. Well, then when that team is assembled, they essentially work to welcome a refugee family or an individual refugee to America. And they kind of journey alongside them for a period of six months, uh, interacting or meeting. At least someone from the group will do that once a week with that refugee. It's a great, great way to, be, to really befriend a refugee family and to help them in so many ways that they're not gonna get in, uh, through just a resettlement agency. Everything from going to the doctor with them, perhaps, to taking them to um, the park, to celebrating their birthday with them, things like that really help welcome a refugee family to America. Um, so, in addition to that, we seek to uh, help refugees with <coughs> gaining employment. Um, Fistone actually just started working for, G for GE, right? How's it going? Great, yep, it's going really well. He's doing a good, good job there. And um, we have a women's tea that meets once a week in our welcome center, which is right in, uh, in our neighborhood of thousands of refugees. And, um, and then finally, we do a tournament called Louisville United. We'll be meeting this tournament. We'll have the second annual Louisville United tournament taking place on September 21st. Um, it's a soccer tournament. So um, I'll need help from the Lord because I've not played soccer since the first grade. Samir, on the other hand, is pretty good at soccer and um, helped, with, helped with it last year. So we partner with the Somali community of Louisville to put this on. We're both the, the kind of the co-hosts of the tournament. There will be eight different ethnic teams invited by our friends of the Somali community of Louisville. And they'll come. And then we've also got some sponsors this year that include uh, Louisville Parks Foundation, Louisville City Football Club. So we're looking forward to that. And um, would love if, you know, if, if the Lord allows for there to be uh, we ha uh, basically a fan team, what we do is we pair every ethnic team with a fan team who will kind of cheer them on, bring some drinks that day, and really um, just cheer on a local ethnic team that's here in Louisville, Kentucky, and befriend their friends and family along the way and, uh, and seek to share love to them. So. Those are some of our programs, uh, most of them. And um, let's see, we'll work through this a little bit more. This is a picture of a welcome team. As you can see at the airport, we're seeing a lot of families come in right now. In fact, um, Samir and I both live in the neighborhood. Um, my, other than my roommate and myself, all of, the, all of my neighbors in my apartment complex are refugees. And then we've literally, I just helped uh, briefly, a refugee move in from Congo on one side, and then I have my next door neighbors are Congolese that just arrived about a week ago. So we have a lot that are coming in this month and next month. I think next month as well. So um, let's just, just so you have an idea of kind of what the refugee situation is, um, there are currently 68.5 million forcibly displaced persons around the world. That includes 25.4 million refugees. Tons, there are tons of refugees. And we get a lot of our refugees um, 
don't have a map here, but a lot of them are in the south end of Louisville and kind of the southeast part of Louisville. So really, um, our neighborhood's only about 15 minutes from where we are this, uh, this morning. In Louisville, since 2014, from 2014 to 2018, um, we have received a lot of refugees. I'll just name a few of them. The grand total in just those four or five years was over 11,000. After Miami, we received the highest number of Cuban refugees in the country here in Louisville. Um, it's at that, by, 2000, by the end of 2018, it was over 5,000. From the DR Congo, 1, over 1,600. We have refugees, over 1,000 from Somalia, nearly 1,000 from Iraq, Bhutan, and then going on with other countries, Bhutan, Burma, Syria, Afghanistan, Sudan, Burundi, Eritrea, Ethiopia, Pakistan, Rwanda, Haiti, and other countries. We have many nations that are among us. So we, you might be thinking, okay, that's, that's, that's amazing. That is really amazing. How do we reach them? We don't speak their language. We don't know their culture. And friends, I believe that the Lord desires for his people, for churches in Louisville, Kentucky, to be the ones that reach these refugees. Yes, there are big barriers that exist. But that's why churches have seen fit for refuge to come alongside and to help churches to do that, to to do that very work. Um, I believe that it is not impossible to be able to share the gospel with refugees. Though you might be an American from Alabama and Tennessee, um, to be able to have a relationship with refugees and to be able to share with them the good news of Jesus, to love them and show them what it is to be an authentic friend is so, so possible. So how do we partner with local churches for this? Um, I'll just kind of explain what we call the volunteer life cycle. It's really just three, three steps, three stages. And uh, the first one is training. That includes our volunteer orientation and then going through a process with an organization that we partner with called Ministry Safe. You might have heard of Ministry Safe. If you're an employee, you're a student at Southern Seminary, you've got to go through it. Um, so Jacob, you could just send us your certificate yeah. through email. <laughs> but um, basically, you attend our hour and a half to two hour long orientation. Our next one will be the evening of September 11th. That's a Wednesday night at 3rd Avenue Baptist Church from 6.30 till 8.30. And, uh, and members from your church are absolutely invited. And then after that, you'll receive an email from us um, to submit some information for a background check and do our uh, child safety training, which is about an hour and a half long. You watch some videos and take a quiz at the end. After that, someone becomes a refugee volunteer. So that training, vetting process, and then they're in. And there's connection and then support. And connection... We want to see churches with equipped uh, volunteers connected with refugees through any of the programs that I just mentioned. It might also be through our home health and safety class, which is a one-off opportunity, or it might be that if you know, you're sitting here and you're saying, I want to reach a refugee, well, you could be an English mentor and, uh, and commit to doing that. Or there could be a welcome team from Grace Anglican that could literally even perhaps be at the airport to welcome a refugee family as they arrive and kind of journey alongside of them for a certain number of months, for six months. Um, or you could come to the Louisville City uh, or the Louisville United Soccer Tournament and be paired with an ethnic team and cheer them on 
And whether they win or lose, you come out with a friend, and, um, and that way you're connecting with refugees. So it can be one-off opportunities or programs that span it, uh, as long as six months. The goal, though, is that um, that connection is not where the relationship starts and stops, but just where it starts. Because from there, Lord willing, there will be many interactions that are happening that refuge doesn't necessarily even need to be a part of. And that's where we come in in a support role. As churches are engaging with refugees and pursuing relationships with them and developing re relationships and helping them, refuge then is in a support role. We want to be on the sidelines cheering on God's churches, doing God's work, and uh, really be on speed dial to come in, help with language services, cultural help, anything that would be needed along the way to really assist churches as they carry out the mission of God. So really kind of imagining our role as refuge is kind of a bridge between churches and refugees. Um, another analogy that might be helpful is we want to be the hosts or the waiters at the table that help set the table for churches and refugees to interact and meet. Um, but the one that I like really well is um, that of deep sea fishing. Raise your hand if you've ever been deep sea fishing. Maybe just like local fishing. Anybody ever been local fishing? Just around, okay. <clears throat> There's a difference, right? Like my dad could show me how to do local fishing. Not very well, but we did what we could. Mahalics are not great fishermen. Um, <clears throat> but then when you go deep sea fishing, that was a little bit different, a little bit more exotic for us. Um, and for that, it was just a little bit more helpful to have somebody who knew the waters and could take us out. And in fact, we didn't even do deep sea fishing. It was just kind of saltwater fishing. Um, I want to point attention to 1 Thessalonians now and read for you some verses that have been very helpful to me as I consider a ministry among internationals here in Louisville. Um, to be able to look at the, the ministry of the Apostle Paul, there's a few things that I want to um, take from his ministry. He says in 1 Thessalonians 2, For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you is not in vain. But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. For our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive. But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not to please men, but to please God who tests our hearts. For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed. God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or for others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So, being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. So there's a few things in this passage I just wanted to draw our attention to as we consider what, what ministry to refugees and internationals in Louisville um, could and should look like. And that is that Paul's ministry to the Thessalonians was not an easy one. In fact, he, he uses the word uh, he says that they suffered and were shamefully treated in Philippi before reaching Thessalonica. Um, and the ministry of the gospel does, it is difficult. It's not just uh, flowery Instagram posts, um, but it, it re requires a degree of cost. And as does following Jesus. And, and, and doing his ministry is just part of following Jesus. And um, I want to just explain that on, on the outset that 
there's varying levels of kind of involvement that we have with volunteers, but um, we want to be clear with them that Ministry International is really, it does take extra effort to kind of cross those cultural boundaries, to really kind of get outside your own comfort zone sometimes, to perhaps eat foods that you would have not eaten, or to host someone and, and have to think about things that you wouldn't have to do if just your typical neighbor came in. Um, and then also to bear the burdens with them. And, and really to then take, go here, there's Paul's desire was to seek the glory of God. And not only that, not only was he just proclaiming a message, but he was truly welcoming the Thessalonians into his life in a way. He, he speaks of being affectionately desirous of them. And um, not only wanting to share the gospel with them, but their own selves because they had become very dear to us. And so the invitation uh, to ministers is not necessarily really to just um, be part of a program, but really to engage in a relationship, to, to let yourself really befriend um, people of another ethnicity, another religion, and to, to, to really desire their best, to, to, um, to have an affection for them, and to um, consider them dear to you. And in so doing, sharing with them what is most important to you, what is the most important news in the universe, and that is that God has sent his son, Jesus Christ, to save sinners and to share with him how he's done that. So um, with the few minutes that are remaining, I want to go over some quick cross-cultural basics. This is what you'll get more at an orientation. Um, but just so you can have an idea of what it would look like, we're getting down into like actual um, on the boots on the ground as you're befriending refugees. So we talk about culture. What's, um, and then ethnocentrism, the fact that what is American is not the, the template standard of all cultures around the world. We actually have our own unique way of doing things and thinking about things and, and making things taste. <coughs> um, different concepts of timing, um, different ideas about privacy and inclusion. Um, uh, in some cultures, they're much, much less individualistic. In fact, I've never been in a culture that is quite as individualistic as our own here in America. Most other cultures are quite, more, quite a bit more collective in their thinking. There we have individual and group identity. And then the idea of being task and relation, versus relationship-oriented. Um, preaching in Africa is much different than uh, me preaching in Germany where before the service, the, the guy who's in charge is going to walk me through exactly how things are going to go. Um, sometimes um, in Africa, you, you don't necessarily, you can go as long as you want. Nick, I'm glad you give me a time restriction here. But um, it's, it's quite a bit different sometimes in Africa. Um, ways of communicating can be different. And um, I think just a lot of, uh, a, a huge need to be, flexible, to be humble, to be sacrificial, really even. Um, and that is what we're looking for with volunteers and with volunteers from churches is people that are willing to kind of uh, be uncomfortable to, uh, to really open themselves up, to have some emotional risk even as they are willing to kind of live life and, and welcome refugees uh, into their life to whatever degree that is. Well, I guess um, I would want to say, and if I'm wrong here, please say that I'm wrong. But so um, pray about what you've heard this morning and um, whether or not this might be something that the Lord is calling you to do. If you know that it is right now, make plans to 
join the volunteer orientation on September 11th, but you have those relatively regularly. Right? Yeah, every we're shooting for every few weeks. Okay, few so months. so if the Lord doesn't speak to you right now, but speaks to you in a few <laughs> weeks, that's okay. Um, but just know that that um, we will probably have many different kinds of opportunities for you to help us partner with them, even if it's just being part of a prayer team here that is praying for us and them, or you could be part of a welcome team, or you could help somebody learn English. No matter what level of volunteerism you feel like is for you, it sounds like there is a level that you would love. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So please do um, pray about this. Uh, will you say a prayer please. to close us out? Yes. Father, I thank you so much for the gospel of Jesus, Lord, um, that your people know what it is to be free from slavery, from death, um, to know you, the God of uh, perfect love for all of eternity, God. I uh, thank you that your news is so good and that you commission your people to share it. And Lord, I thank you for Grace Anglican Church. I thank you for um, their hospitality toward myself and uh, Feston and Samir today. And Lord, I pray that you would, um, in your divine providence, have this church be engaged in your mission to internationals, to Americans, Lord, in whatever way in the days to come. And Lord, please bless this church, God, with um, a great knowledge of your love in the days to come. I pray it in the name of Jesus Christ, the risen King. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much.